0: Hey, this is uh, Indie Animation with Trevor and Rob. Well, at least Rob, because Trevor is just a phone right now. <laughs> and I, am, I am
1: in the beautiful city of San Fernando, California, where it is motherfucking 103 degrees right now. Uh, managing a Netflix movie. That's amazing. And uh, I'm really sorry I can't be there, but I understand you guys are in the... Uh, in the
0: log cabin up there in Portland. We are, we are in your living room and I have, I have two, two people here with me. Well, three, if you count Dustin, who's always hiding, but I have, uh, Suzanne Twining, who is, uh, back, back with us today. Back. Hi. And, uh, and, uh, Suzanne Moulton, who is, uh, a new guest to the podcast, but we've, uh, dropped her name a couple times because she's working on some really interesting stuff in town and, and I wanted to get these, these two in the door to talk about some stuff.
1: Um, oh, my God. Well, welcome to my home, uh, both of you, Sue and Sue. Suzanne Moulton, I think we have uh, met in person maybe once, maybe twice. Yeah. Maybe not at
2: all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's, we must have crossed at one point or another, whether it was Ben like Yeah, I feel like, like I this. know you.
1: Yeah. We, uh, well, welcome to my home. Did you guys get a chance to say hi to the pig on the way in?
3: The pig was hiding. It's actually pretty hot here today,
0: Trevor. Yeah, 97, Trevor, in Portland. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, there's some apples in the
1: refrigerator. uh, Or I'm sorry, in the kitchen that you guys can feed her on the way out. But I wanted to... I can't stay on long because I'm managing this picture, and we go into production in two weeks down here. It's a secret Netflix show that has not been announced yet. And uh, we just went from... Seven people last month, up to sixty-three. Wow! So uh, we—it's a lot of people for me to yell and scream at. But I wanted to see really quick before I drop off. um, If you guys want to hear what a Netflix show sounds like, if I walk my phone into the fabrication department.
3: Okay. Yeah, let's hear
1: it. Anything? Nothing. Uh, Nothing. I don't don't hear anything. Nothing. I can
3: imagine it's very loud
0: and. Now. Right. Too quiet. This, is interesting.
1: this gag is not as interesting. It's,
0: it's not, not working. working. <laughs> <laughs> okay. no. You guys
1: are no. so amazing, and I cannot wait to hear this episode so I can hear all about the project that you guys are working on, Sue and Sue. Um, and uh, don't feel my silverware while you're there.
0: Okay. Uh, I, I've not seen any silverware since we started doing this podcast, i got to say. <laughs> Zero <laughs> fucking silverware. You guys are amazing. Um,
1: uh, I hope you guys have a really great hope you guys have a really great interview and I appreciate you guys, uh, including me
0: on this one. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, uh, well, you will hear all this very soon. Thanks for, uh, thanks for letting us abuse your house. Yeah, absolutely. Turn on Netflix right
1: now. My show might
0: be on. Okay. Done. <laughs> hey, cheers.
1: Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> um,
0: so, uh, without that fucking lead weight, let's get <laughs> down to business. Um, so. I'm just gonna, just for, uh, ease, I'm gonna call Suzanne Twining Sue, which is what I always call yep. Suzanne Twining. Always. And then yeah. I'm gonna call Suzanne Moulton Susie. Is mm-hmm. that sound yeah. good? And then that way we can keep this clear. So. It's a little less confusing. Yeah. Okay. Well, especially as I talk about when I tell stories about Sue or Susie, then it gets confusing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe two months ago or something, um, I think it was right after you came on and did the podcast, you were like, you know who you have to get on the podcast is you have to get uh, Suzanne Moulton on the podcast because uh, of the project that she's working on. So yes. um, I want to go in deep on a bunch of stuff, but let's just start out with, uh, Suzy, if you want to just kind of like, what are you working on?
2: Well, it's a project that we've named uh, Nowhere's Wolf. And it's, uh, kind of follows the story of a famous wolf called Wolf OR7, who, um, got the name Journey. And, uh, he's still alive. He still has pups. He mm-hmm. had his third set of pups this year. Um, but it just kind of shows, uh, the more tender side of wolves that's not necessarily shown in, uh, Hollywood movies. Right.
0: Like the one where Liam Neeson fought off the pack of wolves with his fists. Yeah. 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 This is different. The, type the little type red wolf riding
3: Hood yeah. yeah. grandmother.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These are actually not real wolf behaviors. Right. They're based on like rabbit animals. And we're trying to show like real wolf behaviors. Mm-hmm. So
0: awesome. I'm also just, I'm going to keep pretending to play dumb. Like I don't know what's going on. <laughs> right. <so> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, so, uh, And where are you at with the project right now? Well,
2: numbers-wise, we're halfway through filming the scenes. But the next half of the scenes are the most technically difficult and Mm -hmm. Mm gear-heavy. And that's why we started a um, fundraiser on Seed&Spark, which is a a site for um, filmmakers. Mm -hmm. So it's actually kind of like Netflix and Kickstarter rolled into one, where they do the um, distribution. So um, you can go and visit us there and see some of our like uh, our little trailer and mm-hmm. behind the scenes stuff,
0: which is beautiful, by the way. Um, and uh, you know, at some point we can, I guess, we'll post a link on our page. However, that happens, This you—you you, uh, unfortunately, I'm the the least technical person that's a <laughs> part of this podcast. But um, I know that there's powers to do that kind of thing, but. Um, uh, uh, I've seen the stuff and it looks gorgeous and I've been following you on Instagram, so I've been watching the Aww. fabrication go through like I've seen the, the the little wolf heads happening and um so it's all gorgeous so everybody who's listening to this podcast, you should go and check it out and and then if you can you should uh you should um help crowdfund this project because it's fucking amazing.
2: Yeah. And they can also help us out just by following the project on Seed and Spark because mm-hmm. that also gets us like discounts on film festival entry fees mm-hmm. and that you can help us in a whole bunch of different ways.
1: Yeah.
3: Also. So even if they're not contributing money, they can still follow and keep up with the project and help spread the word.
2: And people can contribute people. art too. Ooh. We're, we're having uh, artists from all over just donate their wolf art to make our t-shirts, to make pins and all sorts of fun wolf things.
0: Awesome. Um, so what started you working on this?
2: Um, well, I've always been a wildlife artist, mm-hmm. and um, it just, I followed OR7 when he went into California when I was living down there, um, and when I moved back to, up to Oregon, um, I just became more aware of uh, the dive. Diabolically opposed sides of the wolf issue and I just really felt like they needed some some help with like rebranding mm-hmm. and you know showing them in our industry they're so negatively shown and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. really wanting to um help with that and I think you know
3: animation is such a good tool for kids to mm-hmm. like grasp concepts and you know it's for adults but it's really good for kids and like any sort of environmental film that can be geared towards children where they'll absorb the issues. Mm -hmm. That message is a lot easily, more easily spread. I think. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, For for sure.
2: Especially wolves are so much about the family. They're very family oriented animals. Mm -hmm. And, um, all of the documentaries that have been put together about OR seven, just they are, they appeal to adults, but they just are really inaccessible to kids. So Mm -hmm. I want to make something where they could really, um, dive into it, get excited about the wolf, like excited about making their own little puppets about Mm -hmm. wolves Mm -hmm. and crafting. And yeah, just be a positive force.
0: I mean, one, I think one thing that, uh, that is really exciting to me about it is just that this is like such a total, uh, indie project, like true indie project where, yeah, you're shooting out of your house, right? Yes,
2: we've set up two rooms as designated stages mm-hmm. and another room as our fabrication room. And luckily, we actually have another room that's our little um, workshop for metal and soldering and such like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we actually bought a house with it in mind that we could do a production like this in it. That's and, awesome. And continue on and help our friends do their own films, too. Mm-hmm. We really want to continue this. And this is just like... Just kind of our starter piece to show like what we can do in mm-hmm. the situation. Um, it's been for me, it's
3: been a really great place to work because it's just like going to someone's house and right. hanging out, and you know, there's a nice kitchen, and her dad makes chai right. when I'm there, and you know, it's <laughs> it's a very comfortable space.
0: Does it? And so, it's not uh, hard on you to have like weirdo Sue. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, no. Sue's the easiest. She's so self-reliant; hardly have to do anything. No, Hear it, that, everybody. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Take note. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and she's brought so much gear to the project, and a lot of people have donated gear. Like a- Amy Atomy came in, and she brought a bunch of C stands and a monopod. Mm-hmm. And Sue's brought her own tripod. And
0: a- Amy Atomy is a is another uh, world class stop motion animator. For those those who don't know. Yeah, so she's know. doing
3: some shots on the film as well. Nice. Yeah, so yeah. it's not just it's not all me. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah, we also have um, Gerald Howard did some okay. shots too. Awesome, really awesome. And, and Wendy Fuller. And Wendy. Sweet. Yeah. So we got a pretty good
0: all star cast. Yeah, all star yeah. cast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So just a little bit. So, uh, what do you do? Like before you were doing this, where you're kind of. Doing everything or organizing everything and directing everything what what did what did you do
2: well this is uh our well my third campaign um, in support of wildlife in Oregon Um, started out with one for um, the Elliott State Forest Mm -hmm. did um, Birds of the Elliott um, partnered up with the Audubon Society and to do a show and also the Coos Art Museum down in Coos Bay where the Elliott State Forest is And, um, did again, sort of the same craft as doing the, the needle felt and the textile art sculptures of the birds and their, and the little babies in their nests so that kids could really see what was in the forest that we're trying to save. Mm -hmm. And, um, then from there, it went to working with another group, um, about forest fire and, Understanding how fire, uh, how forests thrive with fire mm-hmm. and the wildlife in there. And we built a puppet called Dottie the Owl mm-hmm. for, um, Thriving with Fire, a little, um, ser- film series. And, um, yeah, you can see that on thrivingwithfire.com. And yeah, just trying to show how, um, advocating for these wild places and these wildlife is really, You know, connecting that with the stop motion industry Mm -hmm. really helps to advocate and it helps draw draw people in that normally don't follow any of these issues.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think there's something I mean, you specifically have a very, at least in these projects, because I worked with you like many years ago. Like, I think when
2: I was just first getting into stop motion. Around. Yeah, I think it yeah. was because
0: it was at Bent, and yeah. I think I was—I think I was still a lowly animator, and I think oh. you were fabricating <laughs> <Yeah>. on something.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah. hey, wait fabricated. a second! Wait a <laughs> second! Wait a second!
0: <laughs> Not the big shot, uh, mm. but um, uh, but but uh, so you've fabricated for films and for commercials and all sorts of stuff in in you know. Your own techniques, but also whatever techniques they needed you to do. But uh, in, in these projects that you were just talking about, there's kind of like an inherent hand craftiness that's, that's, I feel like is part of the methodology or the style. And then that feels very connected also to the idea of, um, of just like, uh, wildlife protection education and, 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 uh, you know, as opposed to the the kind of like uh, standard industry method, which is uh, highly chemical and lots of putting two chemicals <laughs> together to make uh, something else happen. Yeah. Um,
2: well, I did come from, when I first moved to Portland, I worked in the scenic and display industry mm-hmm. and got introduced to all those chemicals. Before that, my art was really focused on, using really archival materials and really making mechanical connections like stitching things together not using any glues and using a lot of wire and you know fibers and things like that so it wasn't until getting into like the theatrical business then i started to get introduced to all these kind of glues and chemicals and mm-hmm. and
0: what, products what were you making before you like what when you were you make using archival materials what were you making
2: well, wow. um I was making sort of marionette uh style kinetic sculptures. Okay. Um that was like my thesis in in college and um before that I'd really wanted to like when I was a kid, wanted to get into um practical effects. That was my main thing. Mm-hmm. I loved that. And uh, I think Katie and I kind of followed a similar thing, except I was a little bit behind her and really got that um sort of discouraged by you know Jurassic Park came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to make that movie when I was a kid. I wanted right. to do dinosaurs. Right. That was my my right. love. And then they made that. So, um and everything felt like it when I was in school everything was going towards CG. So, I refocused on my own art. Okay. And um but coming out of college, I started working for a one-man puppet show, making his puppets, doing rod puppets and and you know, one of my professors in college actually said, like, you should go into theater. And I'm like, that seems weird to me, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like the puppetry. And and I, I guess the single thread is that I kept on just doing my own art in amongst all of these kind of um, commercial jobs. Mm-hmm. And and now it's finally getting to have that, that personal work come out onto the screen. Mm-hmm. But still maintain its own life as a physical thing, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy because, uh, you know, I – now things are – so when I was first uh, working in stop motion, kind of the hero material that we used all the time was foam latex. So we built these clay puppets and then casted them in foam latex around armatures and stuff. And a lot of times they would – if done right, it was really beautiful – and then fast forward three years later and it's like rotting on the, yeah. I mean, l- it literally rotting. It's terrible. <laughs> it literally terrible. rotting. Yeah. Literally rotting off of the armature. And I would have things where like I have a thing, um, that, uh, Scott Foster made this, um, this like, uh, punk rock lion for this commercial. And it's, and it's really pretty and or was really pretty. And then after the foam started to deteriorate, it it went it went south in like a crazy way because like the paint didn't deteriorate to with uh, to the degree that the foam underneath well, it's like the paint a skin with no body exactly. under it. Yeah, and it like just to powder shrank real nasty nasty yeah. looking uh, yeah. so then there was that and then there was a you know soon after that um, there was kind of kind of a big shift towards um, silicone being the the kind of like hero <laughs> material and urethanes um, yeah yeah and urethanes but then the silicon like starts to uh rip and leech weird oils
2: yeah after a while mm-hmm.
0: and um anyway uh this this is all leading towards uh this and this may be a story i've already told in this podcast i can't remember but um uh when i i'm a big um european animation fan and um I was in uh, Prague one time and there was this, uh, there was this exhibit on European fairy tales and they had um, Yuri Trinka is a big stop mo hero of mine. Um, oh, yeah. You know, uh, they, they call him the, the Czechoslovakian uh, Walt Disney, but that's a very, that's, <laughs> that's not a, really, yeah, that's... you don't watch his films and think, oh, it's like a Disney no, movie. This is for kids. They just mean that there was like he was like, the, the the kingpin of animation in Czechoslovakia at a time and it was and it was all stop motion and anyway we go into this museum and there's there's all these different things and there's a, a, there's one um, kind of like it's like a big Yuri Trinka set with a bunch of Yuri Trinka puppets from I don't even remember what short it was from but it was something that I had seen uh, and one. Um, because it wasn't the States there was no like glass around it or anything of course there was yeah. like you could have grabbed one oh, and put it in your bag very, and walked right out there yeah. was a, a, a very bored volunteer at the front of the place who was not keeping an eye on anything so yes I could totally have taken that puppet not but that you did not that you I didn't did. but you I couldn't didn't. get super close to the puppets and I was like I was just fucking floored by how uh well the puppet had held up over its, at the time probably sixty years. Right. Because what's it made around, of? Wood, wood and, and leather. Yeah. And it was like, it was like nothing had changed. Even the hands, which I wish I could do hands like this. I, I, I'm, I'm not um, detail oriented enough with my fabrication. Pretty sloppy. So. A little sloppy. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but they had hands that were really just leather gloves that where the stitching was so fine that it like. It held up over the wires. Yeah. Fucking hands, hands on a stop motion puppet is the first fucking That's the first thing to go. to go.
3: Yeah. They, they <laughs> and so
0: this was like, I was, I was like blown away. And then fast forward to hearing you talking a little bit about your puppets now. I love the idea that it's like, that you have the puppets for the film, but also the puppets are an art, you know, like they, they can last and live and be seen past the film because you're making them from uh non rotting
2: Yeah, trying to. Materials. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I visited some of those studios too in in Europe and mm-hmm. yeah they're drawing upon uh artisans a whole long history of artisans of of doll makers and furniture makers and taxidermy and how they knew how to make it archival and for museum quality Mm -hmm. and just applying that to miniature and to a puppet that could be articulated. And, and I was inspired by that too, seeing it done in the studios and, and the fact that they build up the bodies with like, like they would build up a doll is with, um, either packed wool and then a, then a, skin over that of, uh, fabric that, so that the costumes could slide on that. Mm -hmm. That's not foam cast in there. It's all hand done. Right. And so those really, they really hold up. They actually, the clothing moves on them nice and smoothly. Mm -hmm. And they can actually have watched them, like they can unstitch them and open them up, get right at the armature, fix it. And it's, it's a really beautiful craft to
3: see. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, like animating these puppets has been so easy mm-hmm. it's just they they work so well because the material is you know pliable
2: yeah it's not like a rubber band on the like the foam latex and the um silicone it's like a big rubber band on your armature so right. it really they wanna, constrains they it. Stay it wants to fight against cast. it yeah. and the, with the felt and the fabric it
3: everything moves together mm-hmm. and and susie designs it in a way so that it it all moves as one piece Like the Dottie the Owl puppet was just a wire puppet. Mm -hmm. And we did, I don't know how many minutes of animation. we did a a lot, a lot of shots with this wire puppet. Never broke, never got weak, Mm -hmm. nothing. You know, it was solid as the beginning. Like the day we started, it was like the last day. It was in pretty much the same shape.
0: So are you taking the puppet from design to, do you build the entire thing?
2: i I do on the wolf puppet for noah's wolf um I had uh two other people help with building the armature. They actually built the armature. I designed the armature mm-hmm. and we ordered some parts we started out with a annie built um ordered armature for a human and then repositioned all of the joints to make a four legged animal mm-hmm. and then added some more joints um that we bought from jeremy spay mm-hmm. so and he helped us out with a little um consulting help us get get our armature just right. Um but my dad helped on that and okay. then um uh a gal who's new to armature building but she said, "Hey, you know, I have this background in jewelry making. I'll give it a try. I know how to solder. We'll we'll go for it." Mm-hmm. And that's Sarah Shellis and she's just been a driving force on the film too. She's been coming in and helping me out just about every week. Mhm since we began and yeah it took about uh, I think two months to build the armature just the armature okay and you yeah, know it's three people part-time mm-hmm. so it's not like 50 hour work right, weeks right, right. <laughs> that's how
0: I mean that's the weird thing about any um, I come back to like the having multiple definitions of indie film and there's one that's really true but it's not mostly what we're talking about when we talk about indie film but when you get really to the more true version of indie film at least American, indie film it really means like you're doing this out of the need or want to do it
3: it's a labor of love yeah. for sure you and know. it
0: definitely when people say how long did something take it always is like well chronologically it took this long but that's that's me uh having to work for a living and do this you know and I think that that's a different thing you know I get so when I go to festivals I get so jealous when people are like see something beautiful and it'd be like, yeah, I work really hard on this. And you know, I think the shoot was like, it's like a three month shoot. And I was like, how the fuck did you do?
3: What? Yeah. Where, what were you, what else were you doing in those? three? Where do
0: I have to move? And what paperwork do I need to fucking fill out so I can get something done in three months? That's crazy. It's crazy.
3: It means you have a crew of like 40 people and that's all they're doing is working for you. And, you're paying them. Yeah. You've got to be paying them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't have to be, but you know.
0: Yeah, you probably are. It's, you should be.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that
0: you're not paying them. Um, so I guess part, part of my wanting to like, part of my, my leading the question was like, do you feel like part of your, um, part of the art to you is, is in an engineer? Like, is it engineering and sculpting and fabricating as, I, kind think, of like yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's you? all the way
2: through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I'm an engineer's daughter.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, my dad was in the filtration industry. So he's always bringing home and he worked in a lab. So he was always bringing home all these different fibers and, and wires and papers and things for me to build with and mm-hmm. then teaching me how like the physics of it works. And then my mom is also, uh, a draftsman. So she comes from that technical side uh-huh. too. Um,
3: so tell like, tell you know, tell Rob what your mom what your mom did, please.
2: Well, my mom used to work for General Electric, and they were subcontracted by NASA to work on the Apollo project. <laughs> so she, yeah? she, am I right? Um, yeah, she was a draftsman for the Apollo project. She nice. worked on illustrating the circuit boards mm-hmm. for for those modules. Um, and making sure that everything physically worked together. Mm-hmm. She always, she was actually the person that checked all the engineers work to make sure the engineers work worked. And, um, yeah. When she retired, they actually re- replaced her with five people. Nice. Three engineers and yeah. two draftsmen.
0: Did it make it hard to go to your mom and have her check stuff? Like, do you feel embarrassed? <laughs> like,
2: well, I, I loved it when I had, like, she was my best friend for, for all that. Uh, growing up and, um, sa- sadly, she's, she's passed away from terminal uh, lung cancer. Oh. And that's what really drives my passion for, you know, non toxic
0: mm-hmm. materials. So and- let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, I think, uh, all parts of the industry are, you know, you do what you have to do to get through it and to get it done. Um, but I think fabrication, obviously, because there's so many more potential chemicals and you're working with those chemicals all day long. Um, uh, It's really hard to move. It's really hard to do things in any kind of a green way. Um, It's it's
2: really hard to get the right information. Yeah. Um, You have to really think about what you're using and think about every aspect. Like, even uh, to the point of, you know, what glue is on, on that thing that I'm working with, mm-hmm. you know, that is part of the product that comes to you. and And you have to do your due diligence. And sometimes that's really hard. And you have to question, like, wait a minute. Maybe there was some way that this was done before plastics or before right. these kind of materials came out. Right. And and do that research a little bit Mm -hmm. and, and maybe think about those other ways. And sometimes, you know, I'm, I, I love the details of things and I can sometimes find a more laborious way to do things, but then there's another part of me that's really lazy. And so I just want to do it the easy way. Mm -hmm. And so I have to find a balance between that. And when I look for a non-toxic alternative, I'm looking for some happy medium between that lazy side of me Mm -hmm. and that want detailed side of me. And, uh, yeah, I think there's quite a few, um, materials we could talk about specifically that, um, I would like to see replaced in the industry. Yeah. Cause I feel like a
3: lot of times in the production world, the, the lazy slash quickness side always seems to win Yeah, with most people who aren't thinking about stuff.
0: Well, and and also you're, you're almost working in reverse. Like what, when you were talking about, uh, Seeing people that are that are taking um these these like uh artisan techniques and then applying them to miniatures like uh, it's almost like what you're doing in the industry a lot of times would be kind of the reverse of that as you're kind of like trying to say like I know that what you're used to doing is looking in this catalog for the best for a version of this mixture that's gonna shrink slightly when you put them together or something like that, but you're like you're you're working against what's already there to a certain degree. So it's one, I think everybody has to be motivated that like, yeah, I don't wanna I don't want to breathe in these cancer. Yeah, chemicals. I mean
3: it's a it's definitely like a should be a group effort on yeah. any on any production. And sometimes, you know, if you get enough people that aren't totally on board with being careful, mm-hmm. then it you know, it's easy. I mean, we're all guilty of it. Yeah, myself yeah. included. Yeah. Like I have Me super too. glued plenty of things mm-hmm. on my set with yeah. no gloves and no mask and it's terrible. Yeah. Like and you know, and I have definitely gotten better. Yeah. And I know I shouldn't do it. Yes. And so, you know, a lot of it is retraining yourself. Once you know something is bad, right. retraining yourself not to do that.
0: Yeah. In, th-
3: and, in, you know,
0: just to save time or to save money. Or. And thinking about people that are doing it day in and day out. Cause I think that's the other, that's part of it. That's the like, huge thing. Yeah. Like I, I, like, I will definitely go to the lazy. And it's like a lazy fast side. It's yeah. like the late, it's like, it's also like, I just want to fucking get this done.
2: You want to get to the results. Yeah. You are excited about the results. Yeah. yeah. And like,
0: um, <laughs> and it's easy when it's just, this one time to, you know what I mean? I I think of it almost like, it's almost like flossing. Like if you just, if you think of like flossing as like just flossing tonight, you're like, man, I don't fucking feel like flossing. But if you think about flossing in terms of like, you do that every night, every night. (laughs) And so the idea that, that there's people who are day in, day out working with these techniques that it, you know, that's, who's really going to be affected by, by, Those kind of decisions. Yeah.
2: This is called chronic exposure. Yeah. Which uh, is not really addressed in like, um, what we call MSDS sheets, you know, the material data sheets. Mm -hmm. Um, it's that those sheets address like acute exposure, Mm -hmm. you know, that exposure that you get when you get too much of something and you get a headache, you get dizziness, or worst case scenario, you get sent to the hospital.
3: Can I, can I interject? Can you? Tell talk about what an MSD sheet is for maybe somebody that doesn't know yeah. what it is, like so, a twenty year old that doesn't know, so, or like a
0: dumbass, or Rob, yeah. director,
3: or Rob, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh,
2: uh, you know a twenty
3: year old moron or Rob, either one.
2: All material, all chemicals out there are required to have a MSD sheet, a material. Um, what is it? I just know it's a material data sheet. So you can look up on the internet and the manufacturer has to provide this information about, uh, the toxicity of it, what kind of adverse effects it can have to health, whether it's an eye irritant or a skin irritant. Um, what kind of, it has all sorts of technical stuff in it. But the basic of it is you can read the, the more layman stuff, which is like, you know, if inhaled, this will kill you, or if, you know, you know, if this is just a a skin irritant kind of thing. So you can always look to those, but what's not really covered in those, because they're not thinking that people will use these materials in prolonged exposure, so don't talk about the chronic exposure. So Say, using super glue every day for 12 hours a day, for 50 hours a week, for two years straight. They're, n- they're not thinking that anybody's actually going to use it to that extent. Mm-hmm. Cause they're thinking, who would do that? Why would you subject what yourself? Kind
1: of a
0: fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Yeah. So even, um, you know, my dad is a expert in the, well, he's retired now, um, in the filtration, air quality, um, industry and even he talks about and he opened my mind to this is that even the the factory setting even factories they're not they're thinking they're talking about materials and um, toxic contaminants like uh, chemicals that would be handled by a machine and the person is a, is quite a few barriers between that machine and that chemical in that setting so when the diff, the difference is in, in a studio, you're for, Making miniatures, you're right on top of that chemical. You're actually manipulating that chemical with your own hands, mm-hmm. whether they're gloved, but your nose is just right on top of yeah, it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You so, mean you you knew you, you you hit that kicker and you <laughs> get that sweet smell and you're like, hey, this is this is a smell <laughs> This is bad. what they
3: make agent orange out of. Yeah. It smells yeah. like yeah. cherry. Yeah. Don't do this at home. Yes. Don't do this at it home. It smells yeah. like my brain cells yeah. Yeah. evaporating.
0: I have a really so um my so Needless to say, I have really bad habits formed from doing this for whatever it is now, 20 years or whatever. I have formed a lot of really bad habits that I'm trying to work myself out of. But one like really extreme way where it's pointed out to me is when I help my kids on something and I feel like they can't help me with certain parts of the project because – I know. You don't want your kids exposed exactly. to like, what I'll you're exposing yourself to. But I I can't expose yeah. them to and it's almost like a really good red flag of like then you probably shouldn't be fucking doing yeah, this. Yeah, because you
2: want to be there for your kids when they're older and yeah. and that's the thing I'm facing right now is that, you know, my dad, he has severe emphysema and and he has such reduced lung capacity from his exposure to chemicals in the industry.
0: From being kind of a watchdog of that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. He worked in the lab and, uh, you know, his, the company he worked for really spearheaded this, the movement to switch away from using formaldehydes Mm -hmm. in filtration media, Mm -hmm. you know, in the filters that you use in your home, in cars and planes, all that kind of stuff. They, they really led the way on switching to water based. And so, in that exploration, he got exposed to a lot of chemicals, right. and it's reduced his lung capacity. Mm-hmm. And he's what he calls a geriatric athlete.
0: Uh-huh. So,
2: he loves dad to... dad is awesome. Yeah. he All my life, I've known him as being this really athletic person, and to see him barely be able to make it up a flight of stairs is just tremendously heartbreaking to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not that old, but when you when his capacity of doing things is not the age that he is so you're so when they talk about like things taking years off your life is no you think about it is that ages you faster so Mm -hmm. in the span like he's he just turned 70 this year Mm -hmm. um he's more like a 90 year old okay so it's it's these chemicals age you faster so you know when you're looking at you know your kids When you're 70 and and they're 40, and you think about, like, I'm going to be more like a 90-year-old when my kids are 40. Right. I want to be there for them. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And
3: I can add a similar story because my father – so I grew up on a farm, and my father sprayed tons of pesticides Mm -hmm. his entire life, you know, and he died of cancer. He died of prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. And so did half of his farming friends – as in their 60s and 70s, they all got cancer and died. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I'm not saying that that was the reason. Right. Who knows? Yeah. But they were all, you know, they were exposed to stuff that they were not careful about. Right. And, you know, the warnings were all over the place. Yeah, but yeah, he yeah. would drive the tractor and spray the corn with clouds cloud right. of dust, like right. floating around. No right. mask, no
0: nothing, you know. it's fucking hot for a mask.
3: Yeah, it's too I hot. Did, oh, I, he would never wear it. He wouldn't wear sunglasses because it it's just his face. You know, yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. So, but it's things like that that, like, you know, as us as you know, he was that he was the same age as I am now mm-hmm. when he was doing that stuff, and you know, never thought twice about. Well, you know, my kids are going to have to bury me prematurely because right. I'm doing this stuff. So,
0: right, you know, it's. Well, so um, so when when you're when you want to figure out about stuff that's that is uh more long term exposure dangerous how did you do how do you do research to to find that out about materials
2: well i guess a real eye opening thing for me is that actually my my partner he i was facing some really bad um health stuff mm-hmm And, uh, just in constant pain. And he looked into the, all, a lot of the materials I was using and he saw this connecting, uh, chemical in them called BPA. Mm -hmm. It's a type of hormone disruptor. Mm -hmm. And we started to connect the dots Mm -hmm. there and we started to say, okay, so.
0: Isn't BPA the big, like, it's in a lot of plastics plastics, and they, So,
2: so yeah, that's an interesting story about the behind BPA is that. Both the EPA and the FDA, Food and Drug Administration. Um, you know, you see it on your drinking bottles where it said BPA free.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it's on that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's, it was, it grew a lot of attention because it was used in, uh, to make plastics for baby bottles and people just didn't, it just got a lot of bad press. And so they just banned it because people, it was just not, People just didn't like the idea of it. Mm -hmm. Um, the research kind of went so far and then sort of petered off Mm -hmm. because, okay, now we're kind of, we're not even
0: using it. So, but
2: it is still used. It's still used in plastics lining, um, tin cans. It's Mm -hmm. still, it's actually used to print receipts. You get those heat printed Uh receipts. People that have to handle those a lot are getting Mm -hmm. a lot of BPA exposure. Okay. But Mm -hmm. it's in all of our two part epoxies. Okay. So, um, propoxy, your two, your, um, two part epo- epoxy, five minute epoxy, clear epoxies, the epoxy, um, even, um, in JB weld, mm-hmm. those kind of things.
0: What about so- like, uh, what, what do they call it? Like, like if you're making like a, like if you're at home crafting and you make like one of those clear globes with something embedded in it. That's an epoxy as well isn't it Yeah the
2: where they if anything where they have the two parts that yeah. you you mix together and yeah those kits they all have they all need BPA I think it's um it's I forget what it does for the plastics um but yeah if we my mission is to find a replacement for ProPoxy and JB Weld mm-hmm. and and eventually um clear two part epoxy like mm-hmm. your 5 minute epoxy um, what I found so far is, uh, this plastic that's called, it's, uh, I think it's a PLC. Um, but it's trade name is friendly plastic. Oh, yeah. Or, All right. or, um, so when I was a kid, yeah, or I poly went the little poly- crazy.
0: I went crazy with friendly plastic because they had it at the art store and yeah. I was, uh, I've always been very like product oriented. Like I think I'm just a very, hyper American. And I think like commercials and stuff really got to me. So like the (laughs) idea of like, like writing a book, eh, not that interesting, but publishing a book that I can hold my hand, super interesting. And like, um, when I was, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with toys and also like the idea that I could make, like if 3d printers had been out when I was a kid, I would have suckered someone into buying one. Like we wouldn't have right. had one, but someone would have <laughs> fucking had one and You're I rich, would have been Your rich next over door it. neighbor would exactly. have had one. Yeah. Um and like uh so friendly plastic was like this like just because it was called plastic, it felt like I can make my own toys. I can make a
3: toy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I and I really got down to being able to make to like have the timing right for the they're probably have gotten way better, but like when I was using them as a kid, it was like it was like hot. you put it in hot water and there was like There was kind of like a different amount of time if you wanted it to be a puddle in your hand versus if you wanted it to be kind of like a moldable clay versus if you wanted it to bond with a piece that you had already Mm, made. And then I also started figuring out like you could boil the water and then just do like a quick dip and it would like gloss everything. Ah. And I look at them now and they're awful looking. I oh, still like, have them. Oh, I Could think I-, I have some oh, of those that's things. Good. Yeah. Oh, that's good. and uh, but I, but I think like because uh, I'm also a hoarder, so I have lots of stuff that I probably. Should I don't throw know out. anything yeah. about that. Yeah, but, but it's remeltable.
2: You can still use it exactly.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so I so anyway, this is my long story of like I've seen that stuff, and actually I worked with we did a felt project. Um, I don't know. It was like maybe a year, maybe two years ago. Um, And Javen was on it, and he used it as, like, a way to – we wanted the heads to be kind of like weeble wobbles that are in, in like, a concave – like, they're not connected by wire. It's just, mm. like, an egg inside a negative egg shape so that you can kind of, like – Roll them around. roll it around. And he made the negative egg shape with that plastic. And I was like, holy shit, people are using this plastic again. That was mm. – a total craft item when I was a kid.
2: Yeah, and interestingly enough, that plastic actually came from the medical industry, so it, w- it was used for uh, implants. So it's gone through thorough testing okay. for for human use in the interior. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, it's. I think it was slightly discontinued to be used for implants because it, it biodegrades over time. Mm. But in our. So so your hip goes away? Yeah. It just, <laughs> just
0: disappears. It <laughs> fucking disappears inside your body.
2: I guess about the same time as like a real one would. Right, so. right. <laughs> right
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you can't sue God. So. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet, anyway.
2: Yeah. yeah. But that plastic goes under several different trade names. I, I heard that friendly plastic because that's uh, like an Amco. Brand is going away. Okay. So you just look for trade names. I think there's um, Poly Plastic, as okay. in Poly Wanna Cracker. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a, um, they also have colorants for it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, when I was, a, when, so again, side yeah. note, when I was a kid, they had it, it was like on one side, it would be coated with like this metallic finish, and people would make really shitty, crafty uh, jewelry out of it where they would just heat it up and you would just like, oh,
2: twist and it. then you would twist
3: it. Yeah. I remember seeing this, like, those.
0: Really classy. Art school kid earrings. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And now you see, like, people are going all the way with it and making these cosplay armor suits out of it. Yeah.
0: So is it? Yeah. Um. And and uh, it can kind of come in colored sheets. You said it can. There's also like, the well, there's the like pellets, the pellets. like translucent. Yeah. Pellets, and then you can buy dyes for those pellets or colorants. Uh, they're
2: actually um like color pellets. Okay. I haven't played with that much. I haven't like my project hasn't called for it yet. Mm-hmm. But I I did. Um, get some to experiment with. So.
0: And um, uh, say I had uh, something that I use epoxy for all the time, which is I've got a epoxy putty or a po- li- like liquid, liquid, liquid. Or two part two Too part hard. liquid epoxy, five minute epoxy. Sorry, so five minute epoxy. F- so if I if I had like a bunch of wires and I had two brass stock things to make a little armature joint out of how is the is the is this friendly plastic type stuff strong enough that it could that it could hold in a I, joint
2: i wouldn't say like you would use it like for inside a square k to glue wires into yeah, yeah. i wouldn't okay. use it for that i would use something else I've been looking into, for that purpose, I've been looking into...
3: I'm not
0: trying to stump you, by the way. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I really am trying to this, understand. This is
2: going to turn into,
3: what can Rob use
0: to make his <laughs> exactly. next film? Well, because I want to get off of the... I want to mm-hmm. stop
3: doing... We uh, want Rob to live a long time. Or at least yeah. a little longer.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> for like uh, a J.B. Weld or a five-minute epoxy, I've been looking into like uh, anhydrous gypsum, kind of like a really strong plaster Paris kind of
1: okay.
2: uh, thing. And with that, you need to really key the, you know, basically uh, file the inside of your K&S to mm-hmm. put your wires into so that the um, the um plaster Paris, as I'll call it, the g- anhydrous gypsum has something to grab onto. Uh-huh. You want that for actually for any kind of thing because sure. the two-part epoxy, that will slip out too. Yeah. Yep. Two-part epoxy doesn't glue to glass very well at right. all. It's right. got you know basically all i'm still using it for is to to get a dome over irises for my eyes uh-huh. but i'm st- i'm actually there's another um hot water meltable plastic that's clear that i'm starting to play with that could replace that too awesome so yeah and i don't like the bubbles yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah. careful as I mix, I s- mix very slowly and very carefully. I can't get the bubbles out. I know yeah. there's people out there that can, are amazing with no bubbles.
0: <laughs> not me. Yeah, not me either. My shit <laughs> looks like there's a cloud inside. I do not mix slow. Um, uh,
2: but the, I'd say that the friendly plastic, PLC, you know, polyplastic at whatever you you know it as as trade is a trade name those are great for your epoxy putty replacements like pro mm-hmm. like uh quick wood um they're they're drillable they're sandable you can reshape them you can yeah and they also are a little softer on your wires because they're they're it's like nylon when it's hardened
0: right 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 uh I will stop grilling you right after this one. Oh. But, um, is, is, uh, is Magisculpt bad for you? Yes. Okay. Shit.
2: <laughs> wear gloves. <laughs> Always wear gloves. Okay. And, and fume extraction. We can talk a little bit about fume extraction. Yeah,
0: fume extraction. Um, we should talk about that. Also, yeah. here's, here's one thing I wanted to throw out that we will, we'll keep going into detail. But another thing that I think is really great about talking about all of these techniques. Is that everything that you're using is something that is, uh, it's, it's very personal film accessible. It's not, we're not talking about like actually, like the more you use stuff like foam latex or, um, or, uh, silicone casting or or fiberglass construction, like that stuff where you need more and more of, you need more
2: space,
3: facilities, need, yeah. big
0: more quantities of, 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 yeah. of chemicals and stuff. And one of the things that I'm constantly talking about how much I love the kind of like felt revolution that's happened in stop yeah. motion is that, um, is that it is, it, it comes down to something that like it's hard, it's hard to do and it's, and it's artistic, but it is something that you can get your hands on if, you're just a solo filmmaker that's out there, and you want to make something. This is something that has the appeal of like '80s claymation, I think. Where where part of the appeal is like I can go do that. I might not. It might not look as good, but I don't need. A, yeah, you a don't need mold
3: making skills exactly. and, you know casting skills, and all of that.
0: Yeah, I can go and buy these things at you know Michaels and. Start. Yeah start making for things yeah.
3: yeah Susie, maybe that would be a good segue to talk about like the materials you're using we're using for nowhere's wolf yeah like just maybe run down the list of like yeah what what we're building everything out of oh. and when i
0: say we i mean no i was gonna Susie I, and
3: the team i'm just uh, i was moving. gonna
0: i was gonna be self-deprecating for you but <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah i beat you it. to That's it fine. rob
3: yeah i just uh move it around but yeah. it's great to move around yes so Maybe talk about what, what we're making the sets out of and the puppets and.
2: Yeah. Well, for the puppets, you know, because I I don't, I don't come from a molding and casting background. I come from a sculpture background and a lot of people in this industry have those amazing sculpture skills. So, um, you know, I came across wet felting and then got into needle felting Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's a, it's a form of basically compressing wool fiber into a shape. And it doesn't have to be just wool fiber. Wool fiber happens to be nice and crinkly, but it can be um, polyfill. It can be cotton fiber. It can be any kind of fiber that will tangle. Mm-hmm. I teach classes on this and people are just amazed at what, you know, you can use linen fibers and, and all sorts of things.
0: So what is what, like, what is um, wet felting versus needle felting?
2: Um, it's just the mechanics that you use to actually get the fiber to tangle with itself the the wet felting uses water and soap to and friction to to compress the fibers into each other and with needle felting you're using this barb needle to um poke or stab the fibers and to basically take these little curly cues and compress them into shapes so anywhere you want it compressed you keep on poking and where you want it to stay fluffy you don't poke as much yeah
0: one of the things that blew me away the first time uh I saw someone who really knew how to do needle felting with, and they were working on a puppet thing with me. And one of the things that really blew me away was I was like, Ugh, "That looks a little skinny," and they, it, it was reversible. It was that like like you're not yeah. you you haven't hit a point where so many of the things that I work with, uh, it's
2: not forgiving. You
0: gotta start over. Yeah, or you gotta add a, a new layer and then chop down from there. But with the with the felt, it was it was just it was forever workable it was never done and and mm-hmm. so even my animators could could be on set and make changes and figure things out under the camera
2: yeah it's very much like clay yeah very very much like clay but
0: also maybe in certain ways more forgiving because uh clay clay's being destroyed under your touch in a way that the, the, yeah, the, the needle the, felting the, is kind of not felt holds back. up better. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. you
3: can you can fix yeah. things a lot easier with
0: a needle felted puppet than like you a, can
3: a clay puppet that you just rammed your finger through. Right, you know? right.
0: Clay, clay. If you're not a great sculptor and you're doing claymation, that shit starts. It gets. It's, it, it's going quick. It's point. going from good to ugly over yeah, the course of the shot. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's not good. And the and the great thing about a needle felted puppet is you can attach things to it so easily. Right. So Mm -hmm. you're not you're not gluing. You're not Mm -hmm. gluing anything. You can pin into it. You can pin into it. You can felt more things onto it. So it sort of binds with itself. A lot of times I don't even have to use sticky wax or anything. You could just use the felting tool to like attach things to a hand. Mm -hmm. And it's really forgiving
0: in that way. Right. And because the surface is it is so fuzzy and muddled in a way like you like um, when things get messed up or like it's. It's also forgiving as as a image. Yeah, it hides a lot. It's not one clean surface that, like, once I poke a hole in that, I now have to paint that out every frame in 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 post. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So needle felting. No, because I don't I don't know what I didn't know what wet felting was. So that's why I. Yeah. Well,
2: wet felting is another way to get to that end. It's just not a not always applicable to when you have an armature and things that are going to be. You know, not so conducive to getting water on them. Got it. So, or a lot of rubbing
0: with wet felting. Could you do press molding stuff with wet felting, or would that not you can really work? you
2: can actually build up fiber around a three D shape and then kind of soap that up and then dry it and wa and rinse it and then you can cut it away and peel it off and you have a replica of that shape. Okay. And then you can needle felt back the seam that mm-hmm. you you cut open. Mm-hmm. And, and we did that actually, um, to create the poof on, um, the poodle in, uh, Frankenweenie. Okay. So, yeah. So yeah. she had a, like a little, uh, wet felted sphere on top of her head. And then we needle felted on top of that, her nice little bride of Frankenstein stripe. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that was when I got to work over in the UK, which was amazing with McKinnon Saunders. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and I bet that's also. I feel like when I see McKinnon Saunders' armature work, I've seen it up close a couple times, and I'm always like, "Oh, that's like that's what happens when someone who who um, has been doing something in depth and for long enough that they ask questions that I would never ask, but I'm glad somebody did. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, they're, yeah. they're thinking they, about they things know. on a level where like." Yeah. I wouldn't until it's too late, or I would never, and then I would never be able to like have something that moved like this, you know, just the, the, the engineering mind and expertise of puppet making over, over time, I think is one of the cool things with stop motion where I think, um, people get more valuable as they go on because their, their skills are not getting outdated by technology. It's, it's the reverse. It's that. There's their their every bit of knowledge is building uh, to yeah, being able yeah. to do things, and they better. become
3: the keepers of that knowledge right. because yeah. right. not that many people do it. Maybe yeah. Susie talk a little bit since we're on McKinnon and Saunders about yeah. your experience with that studio over there. Oh yeah,
2: Pete and Ian they are just amazing artisans and geniuses too, and and they treat their uh, their studio and their people like family. Mm-hmm. So everything over there is it's. Uh, health and safety first. Okay. I, I learned a lot about the materials that I didn't even know was talk to- were toxic. Uh, things like the fast cast—they call it something different over there. But that fast cast, they actually have their own a separate room where you have to go into, put on a bunny suit, and there are two different uh, fume extraction systems and a shop vac there to clean up afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that's where you do the grinding to to clean off your cast so fast casts. so
0: not in my basement with my next to my lunch no, no yeah. not at
2: your desk next no, to the that person dust, that's working that dust is you. super toxic okay. and i had no idea and like you use a shop back afterwards to vacuum yourself off and vacuum out your whole your whole little area and the piece that you're working on and and it just keeps it all there they have that kind of <laughs> kept aside yeah. so yeah. yeah it's a safe you know, so the rest of the studio stays safe and yeah they just had all sorts of really smart protocols mm-hmm. there and yeah they were just a, a lot about the hand making like in the armature department is amazing to watch the armaturists just the precision that they made everything with by hand with cut just like using jeweler saw to cut things right. perfectly and right. yeah it's a it was just an honor to work there and yeah. learn from them
3: um so I interrupted with the McKinnon and Saunders question. That's okay. I like. I, I would love to go there someday. We were
2: talking about materials. Oh, materials oh, for yeah, the film. So yeah. So what else? So, um, so felting. What so else? So we got the felt. Um, we, uh, instead of casting like hard parts for like heads or faces, I decided to go with um, balsa wood. Mm-hmm. But um, I do use some toxic materials to s- solidify and and stay the the balsa wood. Um, mainly the two part epoxy, clear Mm -hmm. two part epoxy Mm -hmm. for gluing wires into it. Um, I am looking into replacements for that. Um, and let's see what else we already talked about. The, uh, friendly plastic (laughs) fun stuff that I'm, I'm using that actually to encase things like tie downs and feet Mm -hmm. and hips and, and bellies Mm -hmm. so that, you know, And you can just take you know things that you find at the hardware store, like a a T nut at the hardware store, 440 T nut. Embed that, connect it to your wires for the rest of your body, and then you got to tie down. Yeah. No soldering required. Right. Um, and then actually.
0: Because soldering, the soldering is is toxic.
2: Absolutely toxic. Yeah. 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 Especially if you got the lead in the solder. They do make lead-free solder, but Mm -hmm. still those fumes are volatile, Mm -hmm. and you gotta have extraction for that which means you um filter the fumes and then you put them outside <laughs> okay <laughs>
0: they need you to always, go somewhere after yeah, they're filtered yeah. got it
2: <laughs> put them outside but preferably filtered um yeah let's see for the sets um i really don't like dealing with um like styrofoam
0: mm-hmm.
2: or uh what do they call it? Uh, like installation foam, you know, yep. the hard blue yep. foam, like the or pink foam. foam. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, that makes such a mess. Mm-hmm. Didn't want that mess in the house. You know, it does, people can sculpt it. So it's amazingly beautiful, but I didn't want it to go that way around. Yeah. So, but I do like to recycle things. So I, you know, if I have a piece of styrofoam, I'll use it as a base, but I won't cut into it. And I use the stuff that called paper tape. And I just have to say that. Um, Matt Brooks introduced me to this material that I'd been using for years to mm-hmm. make labels and to do boxes, but I'd never thought about it as a replacement for paper mache. Mm-hmm. It's the best thing ever. Okay, I can't say enough about it. Yeah, um, yeah, we're building our entire sets with this whole surface. It glues down to things. It's like all in one. You just have a sponge and this tape, and you just rip it off. You don't even have to have scissors, and you can create these fantastic structures yeah. really really quickly
3: okay so it's like that brown tape that you use for like packing yeah. material right it's like right. A, it's like packaging tape yeah. right. and it's got the glue on one side and it's like paper on the other side yeah,
2: yeah. and the thing is it's uh, non-tacky glue so it's water um, activated glue so if you're looking for online you want to look for gummed paper tape that's water activated okay um, like have, an
0: envelope, right? Yeah, I mean, like that's a, the idea. Exactly, like, that's like like the a, idea. Yeah, yeah.
2: And you want to use you want to use a sponge, not your tongue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> at least after the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, your tongue will get really dry. <laughs>
3: but it holds up great, and it's easy to punch through.
2: And you can carve back into it and build into it, or take away. It's that same process uh-huh. of like. You know, I actually use like crumpled up newspaper under it or blocks of styrofoam. So you're
0: kind of like, Like, you're making you're making like a however the structure is the the paper tape is the surfacing that's going over the
2: top. I will use it kind of in stages. I'll kind of build sort of a structure. You can think about like the Eiffel Tower, how they have the rigging in between the mainstays. Mm -hmm. So you want to have that kind of thing going on. I also think about if there's going to be areas where the animator needs to poke through that they don't have too many surfaces to poke through
0: sure yeah but that comes in that uh foam and mdf is the same it's worse actually would be you know as far as like having getting a drill through i've worked on sets before where it's like there's like eight inches of stuff before you even get to the table so Yeah. yeah
2: and we're working on top of you know this is something that Sue Twining brought to the project. She had a lot of these.
0: Fucking finally. Yeah, this right. I am, I am contributing. Um.
2: She has these stage tops that are um, perforated steel. Oh, I know
0: them. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. Rob, a place that they those, were living those tables, live. Yeah, those tables have been at Rob's house. They've been at my house. They've been all over town. I have cut my hands on those tables so many so times. So many times. Cut my hands and ruined shirts. The oh, edges of those tables. Yeah, yeah. Love yeah. to catch. It's a good thing that I don't have nice clothes so it doesn't no. really matter yeah. but those yeah yeah the edges but those things are fantastic i mean
2: it's been really hard to find replacement material well for and those tables were left over from
3: the will vinton days mm-hmm. um on the pjs we those were the set tables yeah they were this perforated steel yep. you didn't have to drill through them so you just in order to tie the puppet down you just poked pop it. the hole yep you just poked a hole with your awl, and you stuck the tight end in and you you screwed it in and there was no drilling no sawdust it was great and they held up surprisingly well like I don't remember and we were shooting on film so it's not like they were shifting you know they didn't I mean they were braced all over but they they weren't flexing and shifting so much like wood and but we used them on that project, and then I've never used them again yeah. at any studio. And I think just because they're expensive. they I mean, the material is expensive. Yep. And so when that project closed, they had tons and tons of these tables. Yeah. And they just threw them all out. Yeah.
0: Or they you, threw so a lot guys, of them out. You guys don't use them on movies? No. On movies? Crazy. No. It's all wood. Crazy.
3: It's all wood and MDF and, you know. Foam and you're drilling through it. No, there's no perforated tables, hmm. and the and they're magnetic, so yeah. you know you could use a magnet to stabilize things, and they're just they're just great. Although and I, I've never
0: used magnets, I use magnets on the first Vinton thing. Oh uh, yeah, never well, used magnets. And It's not again. for everything. Yeah. But, you
3: know, once in a while, it's yep. it's nice to, when you're blocking and you know setting stuff up. But the perforated tables make it great because we I don't have to drill we walking a four-legged character, right? and we're trying to limit the use of rigging mm-hmm. because of our budget. We yep. don't want to be painting out a rig in every single For scene. Sure. So by having the perforated tables, I don't have to move the entire puppet to get the drill in there right. to right. tie it down. So that cuts out on the rig removal. You can also
0: do one of the things I love about the perforated tables is that I think this is exactly what you were just saying, and I'm just going to reword it. Please do. But because I but <laughs> I, don't know. I just realized that I'm about to completely repeat you. But like in in walks, my favorite thing is, is like I could use the shortest tie downs possible. Yeah, totally. Uh, so I could get there were a lot of times where I where I could get the tie down into the character's foot a frame before they planted. Mm-hmm. And then like basically like push it through. See. Yep. See where I'm going to go and then punch yep. a hole and put it through. And I didn't the the amount of time that you lose taking a character out and then putting them back in with the tie down in the right place yeah and then and then make, matching and, everything like going back and forth to make to try to get this because it's, it's a tiny it's not a big part of your it's not a big change it's a, it's a, 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 as far as the sequence of frames it's a tiny change but you've completely taken something out and put it back when in. when you're drilling so you're finding that finding hole it, yeah. a
3: lot happens yeah. between the time you put that drill so in there a, um, <laughs> but you know the perforated tables are expensive and we're using them because I have them Yeah, yeah. you know they've been stored yeah. in my garage and, and actually they're flat. they're flat
0: that's the other that's the other problem so when you're doing yeah they're flat stuff so like they
3: that. have to be built up yeah. and then you know yeah then you have to have something that you could poke through right
2: yeah we're trying to disguise it and design design our sets around it uh-huh. so, so that we use it to its best advantage
0: yeah well, you had me fold. I didn't know you was using. Oh. Ah. So it looks good.
3: Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what else? And maybe talk about the fabrics, the fabrics on the, on the sets. Cause that's yeah. pretty.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, counter to what I've learned in the industry of miniatures is that we're going really big and huge with our, our weaves and, and the look of the fabrics. So I really want them to look like fabrics. Uh And I want the textures there. So, and sadly, we lost one of our largest, uh, fabric places in Portland here. So I've been just going to Fabric Depot. Yeah. Mm. Rest in peace. Yeah. Bye bye. Um, been going to secondhand stores, thrift stores. Mm -hmm. Um, scrap is a great resource here in Portland.
0: That's the scrap, scrapbook making plate. Like they have like Um, stuff for making scrap. That's the, What's it called? What's it, what does it stand for?
3: Um, it's like the craft. It's like nonprofit. Nonprofit. Downtown, they, and they take every,
2: yeah. Take everybody's uh, extra supplies of so any it's like kind.
0: ends right. It's like it's mm. like if there's
2: anybody can donate. Yeah, and then they sort through it. They have a lot of fabrics there. They have a lot of.
3: Okay.
0: Have I've you never been? Be, no, you've never been, a never been to Scrap? Oh my gosh. You, it's,
2: maybe
3: you shouldn't go there. Yeah, your probably, wife. It might, sounds like
0: it's not a great idea for me. No, your wife might um, never
2: forget. Yeah, it's you. a great resource.
0: Okay.
3: They've got all kinds of stuff there. Yeah. Little containers yeah, yeah. and little tiles and yeah. just, you know, all kinds of leftover art supplies. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I hope I, in several of the cities I've lived in, there's been a place like that. Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, look for that kind of place in your own, in your own city. Um, that's been a great resource. Uh, Let's see, where else have I been getting fabrics from? Um, We've been trying to source some of our wool locally um, and the alpaca locally. Mm -hmm. Um, Think about other materials that we're using.
0: You could have just like a pet alpaca. <clears throat> and it's, that's you know, your, you're just going and harvesting all the time. We
2: almost we should, have,
3: maybe we should have a studio <laughs> alpaca. It could cut your it's just, grass. And it's, just, <laughs> and it's
0: always just missing a chunk. Like it's never clean. Right, it it's just, <laughs> just like, you're treating it like, like, like a money chunk Like you're just, yeah, you're just like,
2: we have I to need have two that alternate them. So exactly you can have a two year growth on one and mm-hmm. one year growth on the other. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Make it fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, what amazes me the most about using like the fabrics is, like Susie and the and the crew haven't really been painting anything on the set. Hmm. Like
2: the sets that are pretty much that's one thing is we paint made don't, out of the fabric. Interesting. Yeah, we don't And the want colors fab- of the fabric. Yeah, no no paints. Definitely that's uh, counter to our style is that we want the the fabrics to be the color, uh-huh. and and if we need to create a little bit more color on them, we can add some wool fiber or some other fibers or yarn or mm-hmm. things like that and layer up. Um, I'm not even dying fabric at this point. I've been collecting for like probably 20 years. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you Cause got because
2: we're all pack rats, yeah, right? The yeah. hoarder mentality. You got to
3: start with. Right in yeah. with the stop motion. World. Yeah.
2: So yeah, and I'm not a knitter, but I I love weird textured yarns and and like little laces and things like that so i always i just see that material and i say oh that looks like this kind of plumage on a bird or i look at that and that yeah. looks like leaves and so i'm always collecting those things and now it's finally i get to use them
0: yeah, yeah. that's awesome <laughs> do you feel like sometimes like when you're like is, are there ones that you've been holding on to that you almost like are scared to use because you've been they're like you've been holding on to, to this him like, for a special, certain project yeah, yeah. <laughs> there,
2: there is that and then i i'll cut off just a little bit and say okay mm-hmm. i'm holding that aside I'll, I'll let myself if if this little test works out then i'll let myself work use a little bit more yeah of yeah
0: that. <laughs> I have, so i have a i'm i have a real bad uh wallpaper habit and uh. the film that i'm working on is um it, every all the background stuff is made out of old wallpaper pieces and there's definitely like a right before because you only have one you've got like a square foot. Yeah. It's like a 12 by 12 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm always like kind of the same thing. Like, well, I'll just look at this little, let me just take this little piece for this little part. And if it, if it, if if it looks good, then maybe I pull the trigger on this, but then I never get to, uh, I can't ever do anything else in that thing. So like, right. Then it's like, I, 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 um, try to work very like monochromatically or, or, very few colors. I don't know what the word for not a lot of colors chromatically would be (laughs) something
2: limited palette,
0: limited palette. So I try to work with a limited palette and it's always like frustrating if I'm like, I'd love to build like kind of the scene out of this wallpaper, but I only have the one piece so I can build like the garbage can. And that's right. And that's it. Um, I
3: remember when you started that project and you asked me like, Sue, do you have any like old wallpaper? And I was like, Oh yeah, I got some old wallpaper. Mm -hmm. And you were like, well, can I can I use it? And I was like, uh, you gonna no. I was like, I, I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. and Then I was like, wait, wait, what are you going to use it for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, you yeah, know. I'm gonna cut that and shit I was up. like, uh, no, nah, 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 yeah. nah,
0: you can't have it. It's hard to get your hands on.
3: It's hard, and yeah. you know, and it's just sitting in my.
0: But then once you start attic. collecting it, it's like, yeah, it's like it's, that you one. don't want to let it Someday go. Someday I'll use it. And also, yeah, so like cool. there's some certain things you can scan, and you could work on top of it, and and have more of it. But a lot of a lot of wallpaper is like um, well, it's the the, the luster like, of it. Yeah, it's there's like, like finish. A... There's finish and tone, and so like there's certain things where like if you only see it from one angle, you actually don't get what's kind of special about it because it's yeah. got this is this one part of the print was slightly glossy, and then the rest of it's matte, and like that's what you're that's subconsciously what cool. that's what you pick up yeah. from the yeah. wallpaper. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, speaking wallpaper of, segue. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, speaking of toxic materials, I I heard a whole article. Talking about how toxic vintage wallpaper is. Oh, I heard about that too. Because they, it, it all had arsenic in it. Like it was mm. made with like some of the di- I guess the dyes that they used mm. to color it had arsenic in it. So
0: I should probably be wearing gloves.
3: Uh, well, I think this is like really vintage. I think this is like eighteen hundreds. Oh, okay, this is like Victorian. Got it. Way, way, like yeah, way yeah. older. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I don't want to misquote the the thing that I yeah, heard, but it was like a lot of like really rich people went insane because they were living in these houses with this, you know, toxic, just like completely encased in this toxic wallpaper. And so now you, there's a library where you can go and like, look at, look at these vintage samples, but they're like completely encased in plastic and you have to wear gloves. And it's a whole, like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Anyway,
0: poisonous stuff. Yeah. So not you're not going to use any wallpaper. No, no vintage project. wallpaper.
2: <laughs> oh, sounds like a fascinating project. I I love projects that focus on one material and taking it to that next level. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, that's for for us. That's fabrics and felt and yarn. It's all the textiles.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Well, and I think because the the film is you know it's a film about the environment and you know it's got natural elements in it. So having the the materials be slightly more
2: yeah. natural and less you know. and for me it 's also there has to be a reason why it 's animation mm-hmm. and and you I really want to create this world where people are taken into this made, handmade world and they 're still they 're still seeing it as not a, a a reality that they could make themselves mm-hmm. because they 're still seeing the materials they 're not so. Right. It's not so smoothed over that they're not seeing the materials anymore. Right.
0: But it's also that trick, too, of of it looks more approachable than it actually is, which is actually my favorite thing. But it's like when you have everyone that's working on it is super good. It gives people the feeling that they could do this like I could do this. Right. But it won't look as good when they do it.
2: Well,
0: yeah, but you know, <laughs> there's the your thing.
2: imagination, right. and then the time that you you're you're you got a goal to get to. Yeah, this. and yeah, you're yeah. elevating
0: the form, and then yeah. um, when they when they grow up, they can they'll be chasing this thing down, and and I, I feel like that's a for a lot of us, that's kind of like the ideal is like inspiring our younger selves. Yeah, of, and having you know, stuff like to- so that this film becomes the thing to someone else that something was to you. Yeah. Like
2: I I remember when I was a kid and I still can't find this film. There was, um, a version of the rabbit or the Velveteen rabbit. Uh
0: huh. There's so many versions of the Velveteen rabbit. It's crazy. And they all make
2: me cry. Yeah. Everyone. They're all sad. Yeah. And this one was done in my memory with stop motion and with textiles. And it just, you know, it was so beautifully done, almost like, um, European style.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I've never been able to find it, but it's been like an inspiration in the back of my head of like.
3: Now a, I'm going to
0: start looking for it.
2: Trying to achieve it. If that. anyone can find it, Rob can.
3: You know,
0: Vinton <laughs> did a Velveteen Rabbit. No. Vinton Vin Studios uh, did one. Yeah, yeah. In the eighties. Yeah. I don't know if it's the, I don't know if it's, it's not the one. It's not the one. I don't think so. We'll have to look it up. You never yeah. know.
3: You never know. Maybe I don't know. I've, the only one I remember is the, the hand drawn. The hand-drawn one. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of like uh, cross dissolves in it. Mm-hmm. It was real kind of dreamy looking. Yeah, so sad. So sad. I I'm, so sad. I kept, I'm tearing up just thinking. It's a fucking like, sad book. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, but the thing
2: is, it, it's still that idea of like you have this stuffed toy and it comes to life, and I I always wanted that mm-hmm. too. And then this is our chance to do that with yeah. with Sue. Like I'm making this stuff toy yep. and she's bringing it to life. And t- I'm t- bringing it to
0: life. And so, um, how long is the, how, how do you guys, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that there's an animatic somewhere. And so it's, oh yeah. you know, how long this film is.
2: Yeah. It's going to be, it's a short film. So it's only three to five minutes. Uh huh. Um, but we do hope, uh, with the right, um, outlets and, and funders becoming interested that we could grow it into a series. hmm that if we do it just right then we can piece the series together all out of order we'll make it all out of order but we'll piece it together to be a feature film
3: I love that so much yeah and you know the the film that we're starting with is you know basically just an opening of OR7's life because just a piece just just, a piece yeah it's just a little chunk so it'll I think it'll leave people wanting to see more about him and what happens
0: Mm -hmm.
3: it's a little open-ended that's awesome he is Oregon's most famous wolf. Yeah. And and I honestly I didn't know that much about OR seven until I started working on this project. Uh-huh. And now I'm like and now I know a Obsessed. lot more. Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty amazing
0: the story. That's awesome. And yeah. let just for so uh in case people started turned off the podcast to do something for twenty minutes and then are coming back
3: out. <laughs> <laughs> that never happens. Where now they where
0: where where, again, should people go to find out about the project?
2: Um, well, we have a website. It's nowhereswolf.com. And there, right now, we're running a crowdfunding campaign. And you can click the Join Our Journey button, and that will take you to our crowdfunding campaign where we have our pitch video with our trailer and behind-the-scenes videos. And if you even scoot down further on that site to the Media tab, you will can see even more behind-the-scenes videos. So on Seed&Spark, that's um, seed and You, it's a... fundraising um, site for filmmakers and it's a we have the potential to uh, uh, distribute our film stream it through them Um, we have a couple of different options but they all they have all sorts of resources for filmmakers including if you follow us we'll we will get um, some discounts on film festival entries and that as i'm learning is a big cost
0: yeah it's crazy (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: especially domestically yeah. it's almost like once you start applying through europe you're like oh not only are their films funded but then they have the all these free festivals and like in the states it's like that yeah it's so money-driven yeah you are you yeah. you're it's pay to play for just about everything
3: oh and one more thing rob i yeah. wanted susie to talk a little bit about air filtration oh yeah
0: you mentioned it and then i interrupted yeah, and you then and then i interrupted came it, back. and then um, we went off
3: on our tangent got it. as always yeah yeah. but it's super important and something as you know an animator i don't understand anything about because i'm not working in the spray booth But you're exposed to but it. i'm exposed to it yeah. and i'm next to it and got when it. it's not right i can smell it so okay. yeah. um yeah because you maybe talk about that
2: yeah yeah so my dad is a resource being a expert in the filtration industry um he told me a couple of things to to about um myths about air quality control okay and the main myth is um or i should say the mantra in the fil- filtration industry is um dilution is not the solution mm-hmm. and that stands for when you're in a big warehouse space and they're just like here it's a big space you can do you know you can just spray over there and it's okay it You know, it's a big space. It'll disperse. You know, that's the dilution part. So that's a big myth. Um, dilution is not the solution. Um, you're still going to breathe that stuff in. It's just going to come back around. It just, it might not be in that moment, but later on, somebody else is, Mm -hmm. you are. And, and everybody contributing to the same space is going to increase the, increase the poor quality of the air. So we talk about this as, uh, to- toxins in the air or contaminants. I might co- refer to it as contaminants. So to control those, there's uh, two ways and they need to work together. Um, there's source control. So that's right on top of the, the thing that's creating the contamination. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your stinky, um, two part epoxy yes. or, uh, your spray or whatever. And then there's also ambient air quality control. So this is like the dust and toxin filter that's like a air hung unit that sits in in the room and just kind of runs all the time and cleans the ambient air that fills the whole space okay so um there's a couple of different things you can filters you can focus on but it's really important to make sure that you're on top of the source so that you're contaminating the ambient air less right so and a lot of things they a lot of places address this with having a uh spray booth where you take your contamination source and you do it, you do your spraying or your epoxying in the spray booth and that takes it, filters it and takes it outside. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it filters it. Sometimes yeah. it just puts takes it, it outside. Yeah. <laughs> or, or they put a filter on there that's in the industry is called, it just catches the rocks, mm-hmm. which is, in air terms, that means it catches the dust. But right. it doesn't catch the fumes. Right.
0: Like the difference between wearing a dust mask and a respirator.
2: Yeah. And wearing a respirator that has like the right, the proper, um, organic fume, uh, cartridges on it. Okay. So.
3: Cause there's different cartridges for a respirator, right? Right. As someone yeah. that doesn't use one very often. Yeah. The
2: little pink ca- end caps, those are just for dust. And you mm-hmm. want like the thicker ones and they're rated differently and you can read about them. And, and most, Most places will have that, but yeah, um, for protecting yourself while you're at the source of it, definitely wearing like, um, a half face respirator. If you're like in immersion in it, then you'll need the false face. And And is,
0: is there, um, is there any like, uh, government protection for this kind of stuff? Like say you got hired somewhere. It's your first time working at this place. You go to this place, obviously there's. You were maybe more in control of that. What was the first category of being on top of something?
2: Uh, well, okay. If, if, see, this is the, the difficult thing. And I faced this myself. Um, you have to get your, yourself tested by your doctor, run a bunch of tests to see what your toxicity level is before going into. A work environment where you're going to be exposed. Okay. So that they have a starting point to compare against. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that starting point, there's no, no way to know where those toxins are coming got from. Got it.
0: And you can't like look around a place and be like, I mean, you can have a basic idea that yeah. like, okay, they've got a filtration system. But if you have a spray but, booth, there's not really much to know. You can't know whether the spray booth is, is properly filtered or not.
2: Yeah. By looking is, at it. Well, you can you can look at the type of filters I use, how clean they are, uh-huh. when the last time that they were replaced, that uh-huh. kind of thing what yeah, definitely what type of filters are used. And then also uh, you have to have makeup air. So, you when you take the air out of a mm-hmm. building, mm-hmm. air has to come back in from somewhere otherwise it creates us, you know, a Negative pressure. Yeah. And in fact, in s- factory situations, they have to be very mindful of this. In the, um, in, in the paper mill that my dad worked with, they had to be super careful of that negative pressure because it could bring the roof down in. Got it. So they wow. had to bring, n- they had to bring in what they call makeup air, mm-hmm. outside air, and it actually had to be, um, conditioned itself. So it had to be, warmed up to temperature, it had to have the humidity removed from it, and outside debris removed from it, too, you know, whether it's dust from outside. Right. So that air had to come in clean
1: Mm -hmm.
0: to
2: to replace the air that was going out.
0: Got
1: it.
2: Um, and that's something that's not always considered in, in different studios. Mm-hmm. Even at the home studios, like, yeah. you'll feel that negative pressure when you try to open your door to uh-huh. go out. It's like, why can't I get the door open? That's because you're sucking all the air out. Right. You've got negative pressure.
1: Right.
2: So, it's a good, it's a good point to bring in. Okay. And sometimes the makeup air systems can be, um, as expensive as the removal air systems. Right. But uh, if you're working in your own house, you can have a fan bringing in fresh air. Just make sure it's in some other location than the air that you're pushing out.
0: Right. So you're not just mm. cycling the so you're same. Not just yeah. blowing it right yeah. back into your that house. That sounds yes. familiar. I yes. used to have a thing <laughs> that was called, it was the second iteration of the hot box. And it was mm. a trailer. It was like a like a, a shipping container mm-hmm. that had been outfitted with electricity and "Quote unquote ventilation," but it was, it was not good. Not not, good. A, not a good system. No. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure that the Rob-made spray booth that was in there was was just a, a just recycling your just containment unit. Yeah, just yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was just yeah. like that was actually making sure that I breathe. Yeah, it was making I was sure that you out. brought yeah. it right back in.
2: And the thing is too, you got to think about. um the fumes that are created by these toxic materials, they're heavy. The fumes and the dust and such, they're heavy, so they're going to fall to the lowest part. So if you're working in a basement studio, you want to make sure that when you're pushing that air out, it's not coming back in to where it's lower, like in your basement. Mm-hmm. And if you're pushing it out, try to filter it so that you're not putting bad stuff in that you're then going to circle back around. Right. And, uh, yeah, you can do... Um, there's the, uh, basic, the rock filter, as I put it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that can be something as simple as, um, the batting that you would use to make a quilt.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah,
2: yeah. That's cool. So you can use that, you know, whether it's a uh, cotton based batting or you can use, um, the poly combo, um, batting and just u- use that against against something, um, to, and if you, with the other kind for fume extraction, you need actually a fume, fume absorbing, um, filter, which is like a activated charcoal kind of filter. Yeah. Yeah. And you can protect the, the, that kind of filter with your, your cotton poly blend batting Mm -hmm. to, like, if you're doing spraying or something like that, or just anything that's super dusty to keep the dust from going into the fume absorbing filter. So this little at home stuff that you can do to help yourself. No, out. that's
0: super illuminating. You should, I feel like there's a book here or something. There's like a, <laughs> yeah. thing, there's like a, there's like a, some sort of, you should be making money so off this like, information. Uh, um, but, but yeah, it's amazing. I, it's all stuff I don't think about, but need to.
2: Yeah. It's definitely the two systems work to go, together, the source control and the ambient air quality those t- both need to happen because a lot of things escape that source control filter, whether it's like a desktop fume extractor. Mm-hmm. They have these kind that are designed for like, um, small parts soldering and right. But, and they
3: just sit right on the desk and they, suck. yeah,
2: you can angle them down. They just are a little fan that. Pulls the fumes into the um, filter. That's a fume absorber. Mm-hmm. They're only thirty percent ex- effective, so it's still yeah, it's not good. It's putting no, out seventy percent. I, I don't like those odds. I yeah, don't
0: like those I don't odds. I think yeah. I'd pay a lot of money for something that's that's a thirty percent success rate. No, yeah. Yeah.
2: unfortunately, you know,
0: it is I've, it is. I've tried
2: to find other things that are more more effective, uh-huh. but thirty percent is a little bit less. Yeah, um, and um, I use it actually for the hot melt glue guns. Okay because when you leave those running for a long time uh-huh. you know it the heating up anything to a temperature and starting to burn it you're putting off really stinky nasties so yeah so that's i put a carbon filter or charcoal filter over that to absorb it so
3: and it's like when you're like by the time you're smelling it it's already too late right i mean right. Yeah, that's because- like And that's not the sign when you should start fixing it. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I have a really bad headache and I can't breathe. As we're talking about this. I should have
0: done something. I'm already realizing that like I need to do something different with my 3D printer. Like as we're talking about this, I'm like, yeah, I was going to ask you
3: what, how do you feel about 3D printers? Do you know?
2: Well, I, I know there's like at home ones that use like a filament that's kind of melted down and, and prints out. What I'd like to see is that filament be not sourced from virgin plastic but be sourced from um, like bottle caps and things like that
1: yeah.
2: like the the things that you get because you buy products right. and packaging right. yeah. that'd be great because you can get a, a home chipper to make that those things, chip yeah. them up, oh, and then that's you a can, cool idea. Yeah. and then you can put them through um, a thing that melts them down and turns them into filament. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. And both of
2: those things cost about two hundred bucks each. Right. You can make your own filament if yep. you collect enough of those little bottle caps and it, lids. And that things. part's
0: easy. My the, the the one that I have is all it's like the lowest version of a three D printer, so it's all um, it, everything's proprietary about it. So I can't. It's actually like I can't. Put Can't. whatever filament I want right. into it. <sighs> but, uh, but the next step up is all going to be open yeah. source stuff because that's just where it's going anyway. And I have, mm-hmm. I have friends that, that have a, um, uh, they've got like a whole recycling, some sort of home recycling center that I think is like the chipper, but there's like more parts to it and they're making, uh, sculptures out of it. Like oh, wonderful from sculptors, cool. and so they're, this is like that's the, cool. this is like the, the, their whole thing. Yeah. So I would imagine that, that there's, yeah, that I could, there seems to be no end to our access to plastic. So I, 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 yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah, that's I, for sure. I, it should think, be a
2: community project, yeah. really. Like, I'm sure the schools would really benefit from it if yep. people just collect, had a collection center and then they'd have like this, never-ending source of plastic for their 3d printers right yeah um but for fume extraction definitely use the combo i'd suggest Mm -hmm. the thing to keep in mind though is that when you're not using the filters they're still going to be working so you might want to wrap them up in like ziploc bags or something like that just to to lengthen the
3: their Uh, lives so when they're they're
0: not on charcoals just absorbing everything that's going on no matter what yeah Yeah. exactly because
3: i wonder about the 3d printers because it's such a new like the home ones you know it's such a new technology. Oh, I guarantee. And like little kids just putting those things on their desks in their bedrooms, and well, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it is—it's
0: exactly—it's the- literally a hot glue gun that's melting a, a filament, and the entire time that it's on, and so you can smell it happening. Yeah, and yeah. um, and I think that they—they also—they even have what you what you're speaking to. They give the illusion. Many of them give the illusion of. Safety because it's an encased thing with a fa- with an with an exit fan. Mm. And then um, then you,
2: well, that gives you a really you can just run a pipe from that exactly. and run like, it outside. But like that's
0: a, not done. Like if you have right. that fan, there needs another say, step. Say yeah. you're a director and you have that in your office.
3: <laughs> hypothetically, hypothetically,
0: of course. Uh, running that it doesn't that that fan. None of that matters because it's all just going into the air that i'm
2: yeah it's probably just keeping the mechanics cool or something like that it's it's the same thing with like furnaces and um air conditioning units the filters that you put on those are really for the machinery it's not to improve the air quality right it's to keep the machinery from getting glommed up with your dust and such Right, right right
0: right um well, cool. This is Yeah, fascinating. very
2: eye opening
3: stuff. They awesome. do
2: make 3D printers, though. They're, they're, um, can print, uh, cardboard. Mm hmm. Ooh. And can print cool. ceramic. Yep. I'd like to see those. Almost
0: anything you can push yeah. through a tube. You can, right. You can do a 3D can printer print with cardboard. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. Paper pulp. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. This is awesome. Yeah. And, um, Thanks I didn't even fucking is. miss Trevor. Fuck him. Trevor, oh. who? Oh. Uh, we, oh. we totally missed you, Trevor. I tried to curse more than I'd naturally do just to make to up make for up him not for... being here. Yeah. Cause oh. I know that, I know that, um, Trevor would have wanted he does that. does bring a certain element. Like, I'm talking about it like he's dead. Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I, I'm super excited, uh, about this project and about um seed and spark because i had no idea so now i have to go and yeah it's it's pretty great and i
3: think we have to raise 80 percent of the money (laughs) Mm -hmm. to get funded to get funded so it's a little different than kickstarter or some of the other ones Uh where it's like kickstarter you have to fund the entire project Uh or else you don't get any of the money yeah so,
2: and we, and we put our bar pretty high because we didn't want to come back and ask people again for money for, for like sure. post production and then for going to festivals. We just wanted it's to. my try pet peeve. Do actually. Yeah. <laughs> we p- just, when I feel like, I fucking gave you
0: $25. Why are you asking again? I thought we were done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's makes, and I love the idea that it's, that there's like a distribution arm, like that there's like, cause that, that's like well, a that, really yeah, tough part incentive. for all of us is like, are yeah. uh, like, all right, I figured out a recipe for me being able to make stuff but i don't know i but i still they're they're the side of like getting it so that people can see it is is so frustrating and difficult and i love the idea that there's maybe outlets for you know yeah it's
2: all independent filmmakers
0: on that site yeah Yeah, so you can
2: stream it just like uh netflix
0: yeah Yeah. that's
3: awesome it's gonna be great and you know they have we have lots of good incentives Mm -hmm. and i we didn't talk about this earlier i'm gonna just
0: yeah, 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 Interject
3: it really quick. But one of the incentives is Susie can come to your production and talk about the materials That's that you're amazing. using, right? Yeah. Isn't that one of the? Yeah, well, there's one a of the
2: couple of different ways. Uh, you know, I can do phone conversation or, uh, you know, video conference, that kind of thing. You, if you got a question about a specific material or interested in a non-toxic replacement, I can do that consultation and it's, it's part of the, the um the reward for that's awesome and we also pu- oh. Oh, sue okay. oh, sue yeah. is gonna be sue and wendy both have offered to do uh animation tutorials to so and i'm allowing some of the pup puppets to be used to that's actually fantastic. people can come on set and make their own little short clip
0: that's awesome
2: so I'll be, I'll be guiding you through
3: the animation process. Ugh,
0: good luck. Portal I know. Animators. I know.
3: <laughs> if you want to come by whip. Rob, I'll totally give you some tips. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it will be, there's all kinds of good things like that. So if you donate, that's awesome. You know, perks and things.
0: And Wendy Fuller was the Wendy that we're talking about. Yeah, Wendy way, Fuller. For, yeah. We'll have to have her on the oh, yeah, podcast she'd at would be a good point. guest for sure. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much.
2: Thank you for having us.
3: Yeah, yeah thanks.
0: This is gr- so this is I've learned I feel like I've learned so much on this episode.
1: I
3: know. I, every time
0: I learn I don't usually learn anything, so this is new.
3: Yeah, okay. Well, good. <laughs> cool.